guys welcome to the think sports podcast today we have a great episode it's about sports entrepreneurship um our guest today is amir he's going to talk to us about a company he owns called millennial sports he's also going to talk to us about uh, his life that surrounds sports his coaching experience um his sports management um and just how he got into all of this and so why don't we talk about your background first let's talk about sports management what pushed you to do it and how it's helped you in your stuff hi guys um thanks for having me firstly but um honestly growing up i always knew I, i came from a privileged background and there's no point denying it i i knew for a fact i didn't have to struggle i knew for a fact i didn't have to do the engineering as much as my parents wanted me to do it but it was never like a, you have to do it to help the family per se so i could my parents never bothered me so i could do what i wanted so i left to do my undergrad in the us and i did economics and sports management which is one of the only countries that allow you to do a dual degree and economics was honestly a backup degree so it was always a fallback option if nothing works out i have economics and sports management is there which would be ideal but having said that i'm from a privileged background i knew for a fact that if i am working i mean obviously i'm going to work when i am working i'd rather put in those 16 hours 17 hours a day but do what i really like rather than doing those 8 6 7 hours behind a desk and i'm unhappy every time i come back home and sports was something that has just stayed constant with i started playing cricket when i was about 10 i played for 4 years i moved to tennis for 4 years and then football has been in my life since i've been 15 and i've just through college through calcutta i've just tried to do little bit of everything little bit of everything in sport get to know more people build a little bit of a network and i'm i'm not the greatest with you know i can never be the shameless go up to someone and be like hey i'm amit i would love a job kind of person but i'd work and then they just remember you because you worked and that that makes most of the difference right uh, it's it's uh, interesting that you say that because all of us are pretty much in the same boat i i was also an economics student i and now i'm going to go do sports management um and i think it's it's the love of sport that you're just like i i don't i don't see myself behind a corporate job so i i i'm sure a lot of people will kind of um relate to that sentiment and be like okay we have a fallback in whatever other degree or whatever other studies but this is what i want to do and maybe pursue it um full time if possible so uh let's talk about I, you worked at highlight when you came back from uh america right from your sports management degree so right. why don't you talk to us about high life what it is what what it does as a company and what you did for them i actually right after undergrad i moved to cape town for about 4 months where um so i didn't want to come back and then directly get into a job so i wanted like a kind of small you know break plus work so i was actually in cape town for 4 months where i was training kids between 5 to 12 so for 4 months i was just having football coaching sessions and it was a place called sporting chance which wanted and in turn per se but it was also after a couple of weeks they said okay you can run your own classes so i used to have about 20 kids and i used to have my own football sessions for kids below 5 i used to have fitness sessions so i think that was the um to me that was the most important part in the stepping stone of getting to where i am because i realized the minute you can communicate with kids the minute you can outlay what you want to express to kids and they understand you fully you can communicate to anybody else in the world So I genuinely thought that the communication between a three-year-old and a five-year-old, and they can understand exactly what drill I want, they can understand the purpose of that drill. Then I am articulate enough to explain to anybody from five-year-old to eight-year-old. So I think 
sporting chance in cape town was one of the best things um that has happened to me but while i was in cape town i'd spoken to high life because i had interned with them i think in 2015 once for three months and i knew the people there so i said i'm coming back to calcutta because i don't want to stay in the us right now um so is there a possibility they said yeah we need someone and um it worked out they i came back in august and by first september i was working again so um there was very little lag between both the jobs so again high life was that's the beauty of at least to me the beauty of a small sports management company is that there are about 10 people right and you'd have a boss you'd have a vice president and then there are eight other people who are okay yeah your designations be different you, your pay scale may be different but you all do the same yeah um so i i i really like that you said that because i again I, i'm relating it to my life where I, i'm considering my options i i want to do a bit of everything and then kind of narrow down what okay. i'm what i think i'm the best at or what i enjoy the most and things like that but you talk about coaching in cape town you talk about doing a bit of coaching when you were here is okay. is that i i understand that you have uh, coaching licenses So okay. is that when you decided to do it or was this during your uh, degree that you decided that you wanted to maybe explore the field of coaching and then then start your coaching business I did want to do uh, my coaching license in the US but then they had a little bit of you know you have to be a resident then you have to get approval you have to get something signed from the embassy and it said it's it's not worth the hassle but I got lucky with Cape Town where I actually got I actually got experience in learning how to coach because I'd never done it before obviously I'd seen it and I thought um I could do it but then i've actually never been the only person who's handling a session um once i came back to calcutta i coached xavier's and shishi academy for about a year and a half um xavier's the middle school so the kids and again shishi academy was again middle school and 2018 december i think i finally did my license um so it's it's very weird that i was actually a coach before my license and then in 2018 they made it um like you had to have a license to coach so now you have to have at least a e i have a d currently you have to have at least an e license to coach any form of kids and d goes all the way up to college and e is obviously baby league so um correct can you talk to us a little bit about uh, millennium millennium sports i understand that you own this company uh, basically what we want to understand uh, through this is what are the avenues that are available in the sports industry i mean like you get your degree let's say in sports management or any other discipline related to sports but then you're back in india and then you are trying to figure out where you want to work but lot of people face this issue that you know is it that uh, in terms of um financially is it like that secure um a domain for me to pursue like what are the avenues that are available to a graduate right now if i want to venture into sports so when you talk about millennium sports i want to understand okay that this is something you can do on the side that can be revenue generating and then on the side pursue mm-hmm. what you really want to do you know mm-hmm. um ideally if um, you were just starting from scratch in sports it's a little tough to um, generate revenue right after grad school what i would give advice to people is that just start volunteering there are at least eight full or i think six full marathons in calcutta for example and they always need volunteers and you can just start doing a little bit just two days of work you get paid maybe 1000 bucks or 2000 bucks but you get to know what happens you have that experience you get to know the people and then you become the same person that they want to call over and over again again it's just one week's work every year but 
at least your people know of you you're on the books and then it's just someone okay he worked well and then we want him back with uh, millennial sports in particular we realized that um, there was a dearth of there are a lot of turfs in calcutta 100% but majority of the turfs are cement based or they're hard so every time you fall you're going to cut yourself or you know every time you fall you're going to have a bruise kind of thing so we knew that there was a lack of well constructed turf proper dimensions proper six side field which um which is better than just having you know it'll be long but it'll be narrow it'll be wide but it'll be short so which made no sense you had to play three aside you had to play four aside so we knew that there was a need for a well run facility we knew there was a need for a um high quality facility and we that is how millennium sports as a whole started so right now currently vs arena which is in minto park and turf air plaza which is in rajarhat are the two ones that we own together so millennium sports and it's a team of about four people each of which specialize in their own thing so we have one person who did his um who did his diploma per se in facility management so now he for example which is one avenue that i didn't know till i met him so he just studied about tartan tracks he studied about astroturf he studied about um what layout goes in a badminton court he studied about was the height of a net in a volleyball court so all of that and now he specializes in synthetic courts so if uh, he specializes in so if somebody wants a tender for example saying that okay i want to convert my football field into a proper astroturf or i have a parking space and i want to convert that into a volleyball court for the kids in my school what do i do and he is the perfect person because he has contacts in everything and that is just through his facility management course which is one of the avenues in millennium sports we don't want to just run a facility we can just also you know just construct the facility and take a fees forward for our consultancy for that another avenue is obviously the facility management we are um, we are talks or in talks to open another one so maybe by the end of this year we will have another turf so that's always there but personally i think um, turfs in calcutta starting to saturate there are a lot of turfs in calcutta but um, that's there and apart from that there are the easiest source of revenue in my opinion if you've grown up in calcutta if you've grown up playing sports in calcutta whether it's cricket football whatever it is just organize tournaments organizing tournaments are hectic i agree but it's a day day and a half two days and if you've grown up playing you know people you'll make you put us entry fee you do your calculations you do your cost you realize how much needs to be put as the prize money and that way you get to know a the turfs b the turf owners c you never know who's in a team some person could be you know an agent who just plays for fun for example um anuj kichlu he plays for fun he's a big shot agent he you just might meet him he'll like you can share contact and have a conversation with him and it's a nice way to just have constant source of revenue every month you can have one tournament each and you make a certain sum make a certain sum make a certain sum and then you start making slightly bigger so that's a very nice start which is what uh, we want to do with our turfs as well eventually but we would rather have it to be a league rather than a two day thing so it would be like a four month thing every weekend you come and play but because of covid we haven't been able to do it right now but that is the eventual plan I think this is so what i like what what i like about what you just said is um it it focuses on using your network to build a network right so you're using Correct. the fact that you have grown up in kolkata the fact that you have played sport all your life to kind of keep expanding that base while earning a certain amount of money but that network essentially is going to 
going to act as the biggest resource for you to tap into uh, a bit further down the line so while you are making a certain amount of money organizing these tournaments the contacts you make will be invaluable okay. um exactly like you talk about the person who did facility management um i think that's that's a these are great people that you get to meet and i i really like that that is the idea behind um you know, all I, of these like there are very few there's another guy who i know who who works on he adds signs to sports so he'll put sensors on every body part of you and then he'll put a webcam and then he'll map he'll measure he'll make you do 10 jump squats for example and then by the seventh jump squat he sees that your form is off you're jumping half a inch lesser so there are things like that which is so untapped because in the us it's there obviously but he used his coding he was a coder that's what he did as his undergrad and he used his coding to make this technology and now he's just trying to talk to size similarly with the facility management of course every school has a tartan track in the us every school has a tartan track in the uk but in calcutta there's just one so when we did our athletic meet we had the rule to be affiliated by aiff you have to do it um on a tartan track and our only option was sai that's the only tartan track that we have in calcutta so there are so much that is untapped that people are struggling you know there are so many people that just want to play but they they either train on sand or they train on grass or they train on you know terrible fields so facility management is one very very good thing another very good example is two years back i don't know right now how many there are two years back there were just two certified uh, marathon measurers so they would have a cycle so what they do is they go on a cycle and they have a ticker on the cycle and they measure exactly 42.87 i think something i could be wrong and they measure measure it right to the t and there's just two people who are certified with that and this guy comes just for the weekend earns bucket loads of money and then goes back home and that's his job every weekend he just does this and he has a monopoly cuz it's just the only one of the two people who are who are doing it similarly uh, with rugby there's one certified rugby asian certified rugby official from india so there is a lot that is happening in india but people just don't know we just do it watch a para tournament okay yeah he does it he does it but the minute you certify it or officiate it which is always there as an option but we just don't think it's worth doing it the minute you do that and you want to legitimize something it just increases your revenue system increases your credibility increases the clientele that you can possibly have yeah so uh what you were talking to us just before we actually got to recording where you said a lot of millennial sports runs is self sustaining it runs in the background you guys have people that will manage it um and essentially it just it just functions without the most intervention on your part so mm-hmm. why don't you talk to us about what you do mainly on a day to day basis what do you spend your time on mm-hmm. sir right now i'm trying to um get in touch with a few ngos because i have a couple of things in the background but i still feel like i have a lot of free time i um go co- coach a couple of uh, not couple like coach a bunch of girls in the morning so that's about three times a week um apart from that obviously millennial is there like you said it's a well run machine we have a back end team so they handle social media they handle the booking website if there is booking conflicts they do it themselves so that is there so we don't really need to get involved in it my strength or shatadru's strength who's my partner would be to get you know let's say if some famous personality i want them to come and play or like a professional football i want them to come and play just to increase a post or to boost my credibility or matter him and i will do that 
I would do handle a little bit of social media. That's what I do. Um, apart from that, during the transfer window in in football per se, uh, which is which can start as early as like April to August when it shuts because that's when the initial process starts. I help an intermediator, so he's basically the middleman, for the lack of a better word, between foreign agents and the various football clubs in in India. Major, mainly the ISL clubs, right? So what he does is he knows the various CEOs or the CFOs of the ISL clubs, whether it's Goa or Kerala or Chennai, and they give him a requirement saying that I have a, I have spot for four foreigners. This is the type of player I want. I want a box to box, and I want a target man, or I want a winger who cuts in. Those kind of requirements, and he then forwards it to the various different. Player agents that he knows all across the world, whether it's Brazilian, Spanish, um, Portuguese, or whatever it is, and then they take a week, they curate a list, they give him okay, these are the fifteen people based on the salary that you've given me and the location that who are interested in coming. So then, what he does is he gives me this list of fifteen, twenty, fifty, however many it is, and it's my job to first look through all of them and then give him a feedback based on which he sends it to the respective clubs. So before he doesn't get a feedback from me, he does not send it because he does not want to send any random player that can send without a proper background check. Um, obviously, in in like a Premier League, for example, what they would do is they would watch about twelve, fifteen, sixteen hours of their clippings, how they play, what their style is. They'd watch them live, but again, that's that's a little harder when he, for example, plays in Portugal second division, or if he plays in Malta, it's a little tough for me to watch a live game of them, right? So. My first step would be okay. See their stats. How many minutes did they play? How many starts did they have? Have they been able to sustain themselves? Whether they've lasted ninety minutes or not? Then I go to see. Okay, he played from two thousand eighteen, but there's no record after two thousand eighteen. What happened in that one year period? Why was there a lack? So I tell the intermediator to talk to the agent, saying, okay, what happened in that year? Why is there no record? I look at recurring injuries. If he's had continuous knee injuries, I look for news articles. If he's had Any dispute in the club, whether he's um, that his contract has been terminated, whether he'd be a bad influence in the dressing room, anything that I can find. So I type his name and then we spend Thailand and Thailand. And once they pass all of that, that's when I go to the next step. So I don't fully trust YouTube videos because YouTube videos are obviously their best bits. It's twelve minutes of what they do best, right? So I, my biggest job is the filtration to see whether or not he's played, whether or not he's fit, whether or not he played last season. Whether or not he can, and you have a sense of gauge. You understand that if he scored five goals in Spanish League Two, he'll do fine in ISL because the levels Spanish League Two will be slightly higher. So the levels would be similar. If he's done well in League One in the Premier in the English League, he'd do he'd be fine here. If he's played in the Portuguese League, he'd be fine here. Right? The only problem would be Scandinavian players coming to India because of the humidity. So. Then once I look at the video, I don't look at him scoring goals or him defending or him playing that pass. I look at the mistakes that he's done. For example, I look at whether he could have made a better decision. I look at what type of runs he made, whether he makes late runs. So then I understand if he's a box to box, if he's a number six, if he's a number eight, is he a number ten? What type of forward he is? If does he drop deep? Does he play target man? So all of that, based on that, I give him feedback saying, okay, in my opinion. He fits the bill in what exactly that they want, and I th- think he could work. And then, of course, there is a once I send it to him, he sends it to the clubs, and then there's a massive filtration. So each club would have 
their own scouting team. So first, the CEO would send it to his scouting team, and the scouting team would come back to him and say, "Okay, I'd give him a eight on ten." Majority of clubs have a rating system of about if it's above seven point five, then I send it to the coach. So once the scouting team tells them, "Okay, it's eight on ten," then the CEO would send it to the coach. Then the coach would see him, analyze him, and be like, "Okay, yeah, this fits perfectly for me." And then he comes back, and then it comes back to the intermediator, then the foreign agent. So it's a very it's about a six seven step process which takes. Close to a month, month and a half sometimes. Unless you're panic buying, then it happens in a day. But right. it's 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 a very. I've been honestly, I've been very impressed with the last couple of years. The ISL have become very tedious with the way they scout and sign players. What's your opinion on um, the role of numbers and statistics? You know, in in mm-hmm. the scouting system, is it like taking more of a prominent role in how uh, people perceive players rather than you know actually? Going to a match and watching a game because I mean you get a very different idea. You look at the numbers. Sure. You look at the number of passes. Of course, that paints a very different picture. Okay, it looks like this guy is really great midfielder, but he could just be in the not putting. You know, not too many people are putting too much pressure on the player. So you know that's why mm-hmm. the numbers are high. That's just an example. So um, how do you think it's um, kind of diluting the value of actually a player performing on the game itself? And the chemistry mm-hmm. that he has with other players, and what he brings to the dressing room and stuff like that. What is your opinion on this? Is scouting heavily reliant on analytics these days? Um, like I said, it it definitely works as a very good first filtration point. It works as a very good, you know, first step. Okay, green flag, green flag, green flag. Okay, he has pass completion rate. His forward passes are more than his backward passes. Seventy-five percent of his passes are more than six yards or ten yards. So. those definitely play a role in the analytics so you know the type of player that he is but then when it comes to because essentially this came from you know baseball that's where the term started the moneyball term but then uh baseball essentially is a one on one sport it's a team sport but it really isn't cricket is a one on one sport the bowler is playing against the batsman you are heavily dependent on how well you do in that current scenario football is very different in the sense of you are dependent on the 10 people around you whether you can only complete a pass if your teammate is free you can only complete a pass if you are not pressed you can only complete a pass if the ball fit you was on your stronger foot for example so it is heavily dependent on the people around you which is why stats may not give you the clearest of pictures but gives you a nice initial picture but it does not give you as much of a clear picture as it comes to a baseball or a cricket or a tennis which is a one on one individual sport um another question that i have is uh, when you talk about the scouting system you talk about south america europe maybe where stats are available but what about lower leagues of india i mean mm-hmm. there there's a lot of talent down there as well but the data isn't available as much right so i just want to know how um Uh, common it is for scouting networks to go down to those leagues and you know um, look for talent at home rather than venturing mm-hmm. to other countries and when does does it play a role that you know okay there is information here so i can trust this market more and also european mm-hmm. leagues are you know there's more competition of course those things are there but you know there's a lot of talent here which can be available for cheaper and also developing indian football is another aspect that is i mean the the most important thing about isl is to develop indian football right correct so so i mean how do you go about that i mean when you're in the scouting system how how do you give it more prominence 
those levels. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, we focus on just international players. So, but ISL is now starting to reduce it. It was six. Now they're reducing it to, or I think it was five, and now they're reducing it to four in the starting lineups. So they are trying to, um, from the next season, will be four if I'm not mistaken. So they're trying to. depend more on the indian or the local talents but like you said yeah there's very little data on i league 2 for example or cfl you have to physically go and watch those games and I, and i've gone for a few cfl games and you'd be surprised to see the number of independent agencies that actually go for cfl games just to look for players to talk to them after the game because when a kid is 18 year old and he's playing for cfl he's going to talk to you if you say okay i want to sign you as an agency he'll be flattered that you know if somebody wants to sign you for an agency yeah what you can offer to him as an agent that depends depend entirely on the people you know the network that you have so that's a different avenue but um as some some something as simple as the durand cup i went for the durand cup in 2019 in salt lake stadium and i saw at least six different agents who were individual agents who just came to watch the games to just see who's good who's not good so that if you are serious about it, if you're honest about it clubs are not that hard to get in touch with it's a step by step process of course you need to start with i like to payment is not the highest again but then it's better than doing what you love i mean better the it's better than playing football which is something that you love rather than you know doing a corporate job so it is definitely happening um i like and isl now have all their data in vice scout they have all their data in um, What's the other one? There's another Vice Scout esque app which is used in India and which is which is very good. So if I, for example, type in Ankit Mukherjee in Vice Scout, they'll give me pass completed. So they'll give me eight second clips of every pass that he's completed, and just keep going on loop. So I'll know, for example, that Ankit Mukherjee has done this, 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 this. So I League and ISL have generally started getting better because they've, I mean, Vice Scout has bought their rights. But the problem with I League too is. half the they're not even televised on on television you have to watch it online right so there's no way that we can buy rights to make that data as well we need to get to know the online platforms and the distributors and then do it so till that is not legitimized you can't really um have data you'll have to physically go there and be present which is why i'm um, i know a couple of agents who who have a team in meghalaya for example so there was the meghalaya league they have a team in kerala for example there was the kerala league so that's how they build build a database and then you know scout over 3 4 5 6 games and then take a gamble it's always when it comes to human beings it's always a gamble you can never be sure whether or not he'll make it big or not so uh i i had one very simple question i the from from all the conversations i've had with people that are interested especially in football um here abroad that that see themselves working in football exactly what you talked about in the work you're doing seems like everyone wants to s- analyze games scout players mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. these are things people actively want to do don't know how to do them how to get to these positions mm-hmm. so the question i would ask you is to maybe maybe spend like a minute talking on how you got to be in a position where you are able to do something that so many people want Mm-hmm. is it because of your networking is it because of your scouting is it because of your coaching licenses maybe just talk about how mm-hmm. you got there um when i started it it was because we started it in high life um there was me and another guy who used to talk to a lot of agents and we started in high life and we'd literally go to transfermarket.com there would be a list of agents 
we would not look at the big guys so we'd not we never message a, uh, the agent of pogba for example it makes no sense we'd look for we'd filter it to highest market value of a mail and then we just send mails there are certain countries that you know and i know that india is heavily dependent on like spanish come the nigerians come the the south americans come the argentinians the brazilians so we just made a list of okay these are the type of agents that we want to talk to and we just google search find their email address and send an email so okay these are the uh, requirements that i have do you have someone that could do and then majority of them don't reply obviously but then there are 15 20 30 percent that do and that's how your network builds for example the guy was telling you who i'm currently helping he's been doing it for four or five years now so he's built a network in the last five years it's not a one year thing it takes a while for the first two years not a single club replied to him because you're like who is this random guy why should i ever trust him but then he did it every year he said okay i have this player if you want mandate i can show you mandate saying that okay he's officially my player so that's how you build trust um but recently having said that um, aiff have finally started their scouting program so it's a seven day online course it's something i haven't done yet which i uh, i tried but both times i said it's full so it's definitely high in demand people are definitely doing it so that is another way of getting into it um you get on the aiff newsletter um so they send you mails as well so that is a very very good start to doing it it, it obviously does not guarantee you a job it obviously does not guarantee you um something as exciting as this cuz generally is exciting especially watching your guys play in for chennai or kerala or you just watch them play it's very exciting but it is definitely a start it is definitely something that would at least put you one step ahead of everybody else because you have that certification when you apply people will be like okay you have a certification and now there are um, every year clubs are expanding the scouting team every year clubs are expanding the analytical team so there is scope but um, again it's a very narrow market but it does you no harm to just do the course it's i think a 7 or a 14 day course so you should just whoever wants to do it just do it that's always the advice just go for it it will never deter you it will always put you it will always give you some benefit of the other i i think the idea is is it puts you on a platform right and then it's how you like it will never guarantee you a job but mm-hmm. that's 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 for you to that's for you to do it puts you at a level where you can kind of have interactions that will get you to a decent position so i think that's that's great advice but uh, just to conclude i i want to just i want you to just talk to someone like i i want you to give advice to people who are confused about sport as we all have been at some point mm-hmm. uh confused about what they can do if they're planning on doing a sports management degree whether it be a bachelor's or masters if they're planning on uh starting a sports startup like you have uh, in millennial sports what advice would you maybe give yourself uh, that would give yourself before going to college or whatever if you had advice to give what advice would it be mm-hmm. um i'll be collectively i would think i started working in the sporting industry in at the age of 20 right from college it was something as simple as i would get a floor plan a day before an event and they would say i need 10 tables and 20 chairs in this alignment and my job was just to do that it was the most tedious job in the world but you know it was just it had a sense of progression you could become from that you could become an event manager then you could become the event leader so then you directly talk to the clients instead of you'd become the one who hands out the floor plan rather than the one who's executing the floor plan so it is something 
which seems it's an investment everything in life is an investment it is you cannot start at a if your ideal job is an IMG you cannot start an IMG it would never happen very few people below the age of 30 have ever got into IMG and that's with 10 years of experience so it is a step by step process it is the internships you may have to do three internships unpaid but you're just doing it because you want the experience you want to learn it may not even be the exact field you want to get into but at least now you know what not to do even if it's not a positive thing you at least know okay this is not what i want anymore so okay i don't have to worry about this side of the world anymore so it is advice for me is always volunteer look for tournaments to volunteer look for events to volunteer look for uh, national meets to volunteer because the, everybody loves free labor and <laughs> if you can be if you can give free labor and be honest about the things that you do it can never go wrong yes it sometimes does not feel worth it when you're spending 12 hours the day before an event you're not sleeping but if you're serious about it you just have to put yourself out there you have to do it and it it does normally work out the if you probably have worked in the sporting industry a little bit you've conducted interviews with the same like with a few people through this podcast you've seen the same people over and over again it's nobody new that is coming it's the same guys who you saw at the age of 16 who were volunteering now they've got a job it's because they started early it's because it's the same pool of people who are just more serious about it not the okay i did once this was my experience i was i really enjoyed it and that's it but having grown up in the sporting industry i've seen the same people it's just that some are more senior than the other some are higher paid than the other but the pool remains almost the same i i i completely agree with you i think that's that's uh, fantastic advice go out work as much as you can do as many things as you can figure out what you like what you don't like um and that should help but um uh, i think with that we come to the end of our episode thanks so much amir for joining us it was really educational i, I learned a lot about the scouting uh, the scouting system um, loved learning about your company um to our viewers um thanks a lot for ch- checking us out you can find us on our social media platforms on instagram our website is www.thinksports.co.in for more podcasts like this you can uh, head over there and we're on all major podcast streaming websites anyway thanks a lot amir for joining us thanks uh, for having me thanks sweet and rado again soon thanks amir perfect thank you